My name is Cameron Waller. Um, I go to school currently at Texas A&M University at Galveston and currently studying public policy and communications, um, hopefully transferring to international politics and diplomacy. Tell me a little bit about your work with the March for Our Lives. I got involved just from, so we have like adults that kind of look over us and I had seen Alyssa's post and Alyssa is one of our head adults. She is an angel sent down from above and I love her with everything in me. So um, I saw one of her posts about just the event and I joined it and she had posted saying that they needed students and I had just commented on it and I was like, hey Alyssa and pretty much I got through that and then we all, um, how can I say it? We all just kind of grouped together and we started our own little committees within the inside. We had started having meetings and we all just became a small little family. And so from there, then we had the march. It was kind of a month and a half of planning, I guess you could say. So we had the march and I was absolutely terrified because I mean, we're in Houston, the fourth largest city in the country, but I always have this anxiety in me that no one's ever gonna show up to anything like I help plan, but thousands of people showed up and it was amazing to see the entire city come together. We had speakers, we had, um, a lot of our leaders spoke. So we had some of them that we had um, leaders from different organizations around Houston, such as Black Lives Matter. Mm, I can't think of it anymore off the top of my head. But, yeah. Yeah, and then from after the march, we had started an organization called Students Rise, which is kind of an organization where we influence students go out and vote because in Texas we are we are the 50th in the country for voter turnout and then even lower it's even worse for the youth like the youth never gets out to vote and so we kind of push for that to happen because in the state of Texas there's actually a law where high schools are required to have voter registration and so that was so that was kind of our motive is to enforce that in schools because there were a lot of people that just had no interest in voting. So we worked on that. And then actually we just had a, um, a number come in from Austin saying that voter turnout, especially in the youth, if I'm correct, increased 508% since 2014. Oh. So that is intense. Yeah. And it's been amazing. I, I've never seen this many people politically involved. It may also be because I never really paid attention. Um, after this past year, I've become more politically involved than ever and I, have done a lot of voter registration and such on campus that he could probably tell you about that we've gotten a lot of outcry about on. Like, for example, we had Bethel Rourke, who is the Senate candidate in the state of Texas, going up against Ted Cruz. And I emailed him to come to campus, and I, I would say I think 1,300 people showed up maybe, which is a really big event, especially for our campus, because we're on a smaller island beside Galveston, and not a lot of people go towards Galveston. So that was big. And then there was a lot of, um, what's the word? Controversy over that, I guess you could say, just because Texas A&M is one of the most conservative schools you could probably go to. But yeah, so that, that's also been difficult in this whole process. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what have you been focusing on uh, the last couple of weeks or the last month even, running up to the election? up to the election. So basically just voter turnout has been our thing. Um, getting people registered to vote and rights to the polls, just pushing people to get out there. Because you can get them registered, but it's not guaranteed that they'll get out. 
And so we've had a lot of things, like for example, tonight at um, the Giffords event with March for Our Lives National, they're hosting buses from University of Houston to go to local polling stations to go and vote at. So that's another thing. But I can say like from comparing the presidential election to this election, I've never seen so much involvement in politics and seeing all these people get out to vote. And Texas, I hope, has moved up from the 50th in the country for voter turnout. Yeah, because that's almost dead last, right? Mm-hmm. Out of 51, Washington, D.C. is the 51st state. Mm. Kind of, it's not really a state, but it's a district. But yeah, so. So how much work do you do actually trying to change opinion? Like if you're focused now on voter turnout, mm-hmm. it's mainly against people who are going to vote your way. But how, how is your work about changing people's minds about gun restrictions and so gun control? In Texas, as I previously said, it's a very strong gun culture. And our thing is just common sense gun reform. And a lot of people, as soon as you introduce, hey, I'm with March for Our Lives, or hey, like, gun reform, everyone thinks you're going to take their guns away. And I know um, we had held a town hall recently. Oh, that was another thing. I should have mentioned that. I'm sorry. Was we hold town halls every now and then with local candidates that, um, and we invite both parties, but one party will usually show up and the other won't. Wish I knew why, but it's probably kind of obvious. But um, and one lady had said her name is Lorena Perez McGill, and I love her with all my heart. She was canvassing, and one guy said, "Are you going to take my guns?" And she asked him, "Is it locked up?" And he said, yes. And, he said, and she said, do you have a child? And he said, yes. She goes, so does he have access to it? And he said, no. And he, she's like, okay, so I'm not taking your guns away. Like, it's just common sense. Like, you want to have it locked up. You don't want easy access. Like, it's not really that hard. <laughs> But no, it's just kind of like that. But I just lost track. <laughs> Are you trying to use the same arguments when you talk to people out uh, in Texas about gun control? Or what, what are your main, uh, how do you approach like a regular Texan? And maybe not one living in Houston or in Austin, for instance, where it's like small, uh, like big liberal islands in Texas, mm-hmm. but out in uh, like rural Texas. How would you approach someone? So I actually live in one of the reddest counties in the state of Texas, Montgomery County. Um, that's actually a really hard topic to introduce, especially I went to a high school where they held a raffle for a shotgun and it was no background check, if I'm correct. It was just whoever won the raffle got it. And I was like, that's not probably a really good idea to do. But um, no, it's it's really hard, I'll admit. But there's people that listen and you like you might see like videos from the Parkland students where they'll go out and talk to people of the NRA and actually introduce what they're wanting to do. And they're like, oh, yeah, like, that makes sense. And I remember we worked at a recent festival um, the afternoon after the march. And we had March for Lives banner up at our tent. And this guy came up and was, like, yelling at us pretty much. And we just talked to him and said, hey, like, this is what we stand for. Like, no one's trying to take your guns away. Just trying to get it straight on the table. Because the thing about media is they might twist everything up. And that's the scary part about it. But once you actually introduce what you're trying to do and that no one's trying to take away your guns, they're like, Oh, okay, I can understand that, you know? Especially, like, my brother, for example, whenever I told him it was a march for our lives at first, he was a little confused, I might say, because, but it's like he has three kids. And whenever I think of this and, like, school shootings, and school shootings isn't the main motive, but it's kind of what started the whole organization. And 
whenever I think of it, I think of, oh, like, how it, like, I think of my niece at elementary school or my nephews at elementary school, and I get terrified. You know, I mean, they don't, I, I highly doubt they know what's going on, though I hope that they don't know what's going on. But I think of them, and I get really scared sometimes just thinking of what could happen. And we've had threats happen, especially at the high school I went to. Like, just here recently, they had, like, there was a line of parents outside the school trying to draw their kids out because there was another shooting threat, which has almost become a normal thing, and that's not a good thing to be a normal thing. But it's just, I mean, you just kind of have to introduce it. But a lot of people get kind of irked off when you explain it to them. But as I said, like, whenever you tell them, like, what's going on, it's just common sense. Like, like, like as I was saying, my brother, my brother owns guns. Like, we all own guns. There's a shotgun. We have a shotgun named Maggie. I'm like, get, I plan on getting like, like a CHL whenever I turn 21, just because I believe in protection, and I also believe that I'm not going to shoot anyone. <laughs> yeah, except minus protection services, obviously. But um, no, and I just explained to my brother, like, I know you're not going to go shoot up a school, or you're not going to shoot someone. So I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. Do you meet uh, different attitudes when? talking about hunting rifles compared to assault rifles oh yeah i mean you have people that want to absolutely ban all guns but i mean hunting rifles and there, there's people that hunt with ar-15s though i personally think that you probably shouldn't hunt with an ar-15 just because there's a very small number of what you can shoot with it and it just kind of seems like a cheat kind of like going fishing but with a same net <laughs> you just catch all I don't know but yeah in a, in a Swedish context it would be uh, preposterous to go hunting with an with an assault rifle it would be considered just cruelty against mm -hmm. animals because if you're a hunter and you're hunting for meat or for sport mm -hmm. there's really no sport to it using an, an assault rifle that's fully automatic and you probably won't be able to preserve as much of the of the animal for for later if you're using that kind of weapons but we actually have a hunter sitting here next to us would you like to join in in the discussion uh, yeah i can sure you just let's pass the mic tell me what's your name you're a school friend of uh, cameron here uh, i'm jacob i go to the same school that she goes to uh, i do hunt Usually we go hunting once a year, me and my dad and my brother. Uh, it's like almost a traditional thing. We do it every year. Um, it's kind of like a bonding experience too. Uh, but I also have friends that own leases and sometimes they're like, hey, you want to go hog hunting? And it's just a, a pastime. It's a sport, you know, and if you enjoy it. But so hunting rifles are used to hunt game. You typically use a hunting rifle if you want to kill the animal for its meat or for a trophy reason, such as bucks with their antlers. But AR-15s are used in a different context. They're used for game management. On your uh, plot of land, typically people who own land, they want to attract the deer there. So they set up feeders around. But the main problem is, is hogs. Hogs are, they populate really quick. They mess up fence lines. I mean, they're nasty little animals, so they can tear through stuff pretty quick. And so as a way of managing them, the hogs usually travel in groups, typically around 15 of them. So if you have a bolt-action rifle and you want to get rid of the hogs in order to keep the deer around and stop from your stuff getting destroyed, you need something along the lines of an AR-15 or a semi-automatic semi weapon so you can take them all out in a short time. And the thing, even though it does spoil the meat at times, typically hogs, you don't eat them very often. 
their meat is not usually looked for because it's very gamey. It's not, it doesn't taste very well. But I do know a close family friend who owns a big ranch out uh, west of Abilene. Uh, they have instances where they trap up to 100 hogs in hog traps because his livelihood is that he purposely uh, keeps track of the deer on his land. You know, almost not selective breeding, but, you know, they have to filter out the weak ones to make big bucks. And then he has people come and pay to hunt them. It's his livelihood and the hogs are the things that mess it up. So he needs weapons like that to get rid of hundreds of them in order to keep his business going. So. What do you think the likelihood is in your area? Because you're in the northwest of Texas. Pretty much the, the thing for a Swede you think about when you think of Texas, the ranchers in Texas. Mm -hmm. What do you think the likelihood is to, to make any change to gun restrictions in your area? talking about it like from a March for Our Lives perspective, for instance. Right, it's a very hard subject to say because you, we could put bans on, you know, AR weapons, you know, semi-automatic weapons, because they are technically not needed. They're just helpful in most cases for game management and also other things like coyotes and such that frequently come up. But anytime you mention about gun control, typically people from that area we do kind of get uh, our hairs raised up a bit because you know it, it does sound like they're wanting to put restrictions on what we can own which we do like to own guns it's a, it's a culture there we don't use them for harm we use them because some people like them some people just like the sport of shooting uh, but the problem is is you propose bans you propose more background checks which is not a problem surprisingly when we bring it up people are all for background checks but yeah you you think it's starting to change the attitudes against background checks change. because in the past it's been like very fast move to they want to take our guns away mm -hmm. argument we're starting to see it more due to shootings that clearly you know we do need to check people who are purchasing these weapons we need to check their motives i know whenever i went to cabela's to purchase a gun they they did ask me what is your motive to buying it's mm -hmm. hunting self-protection and you have to list it, and then you also, some in some cases, you do almost need to give proof. We can put restrictions on them, and that will deter some people, but in the end, if you want a gun for any sort of shooting, that person's gonna find a way to get it. It's very hard to stop them from doing that. So the way most of us look at it, well, you wanna put more limitations on us, well, us, the law-abiding citizens that use it for their correct reasons, are, you know, it's impeding us from doing what we need to do and it's not going to have much effect on the ones that want to do it for bad. So it's just an interesting way to look at it. It's, it's about half and half. We're slowly changing. I will say most people I talk to when we bring up gun control, we're like, I'm fine with having background checks because we have nothing to fear about it. You know, We abide by the law. We do what we're supposed to. So mm -hmm. there's no reason to get up in arms about it. And the people who are against it, they sometimes tend to have records that will stop them which, you know, that makes sense. They shouldn't really own a gun if they have records that prove that it's not safer than to have one. Yeah, and I guess, uh, like, a strong argument is that um, a better background check would make it harder for shooters like uh, Nicholas Cruz, who was the shooter at uh, the Florida school shooting, being, had a background of uh, a few different uh, mental uh, 
disorders and treatment in uh, mental facilities and he would have never cleared for gown ownership if those kind of rules were in place. Right. Uh, also a big thing is, is not only background checks but it also has to do with the families who own guns, proper upkeep of guns, locking them up, making sure they're out of reach from children or people who aren't supposed to have them, other family members. Uh, in a lot of cases, that's how school shooters tend to get their weapons. It's just from their family not doing proper procedures and storing guns. I know at my house, we have a safe that only my dad knows the combination to for the sole reason of, you know, I know I'm not going to hurt anyone, but that's just an extra barrier to keep anyone that could. We also do that in case our house gets robbed. They can't get to the guns. Mm. Uh, I know uh, one of the most pursuing things on... Uh, what swayed me on gun control and how people say, oh, you don't need certain weapons for uh, self-defense. I've had an instance where when I was younger, some man broke into our backyard and was trying to steal stuff, and my dad had to go to the gun safe and get the shotgun and go out there and tell him to leave and whatnot. Uh, if we didn't have that, we didn't know what the man was up to. Yeah, because that's so. the thing that, when you say that to me, like living in Sweden, it's like if if a burglar or a thief came up in my backyard, the the thing that springs to mind for someone in Sweden is you run out and you ask that person, what the hell are you doing? The first thought isn't like to, oh, we're going to go get the guns because 99 out of 100 people in Sweden isn't going to have guns, but we're still going to do something about someone trying to steal our stuff in our backyard. So I think there's like a big difference in our culture where it comes to we don't have the guns so we immediately don't go for them right we still do stuff about them so i guess there's like a there's an important difference that we live in a society where guns aren't available and if they are you're probably a hunter or a sportsman shooting a gun at a gun club where it's locked in a safe but that's a very small part of the population what do you think about that kind of that kind of story where it's like sure we'll go out to the burglar but is it maybe because I'm going to assume that the burglar in Sweden doesn't have firearms on him right. because of there are no firearms that are available in our society whereas in your society it might be a very high probability of that burglar maybe carrying firearms I don't know if that's part of it but we definitely live in very different societies. And I was just wondering, if you had to choose, would you still live in a society where there are guns everywhere, ready available for anyone, as it is today? Or would you have something in the middle? Or would you maybe rather have something that is more like, like in Sweden, for instance? Uh, and today, in America today, I do think we have too many guns. Uh, I'd rather live in a society that's in between. It's okay to own a gun for your own personal use, but there are regulations on what you can put on a gun, such as attachments, what fire rate the gun is from automatic to semi-automatic clip size. Things like that do matter, but uh, in America today, if someone's breaking in or committing a crime, you kind of need to assume that they have a gun on them because it's so readily available. It's very easy to get one illegally. So it, you just have to take that extra measure here. Uh, it's, it, it'll take a long time for us to get that down, the circulation of them. 
because then you have to have the whole country basically supporting it, not having people wanting to get them illegally because then it will become a trade like it has become in inner cities. I know one of the towns close to me, they had a problem because they did have several illegal arms dealers in that town that they yeah. actually busted a couple. Selling guns to yeah. anyone, really. But see, they weren't selling ARs or anything. They were just selling yeah. handguns yeah. because it was most... It, that, it got to But that's city. how they get into circulation, right? Yes, because the people they were selling to were underage or they had past acts of violence that they couldn't get it. So all they had to do was just find a contact, which there was plenty of them in that town. So I guess not only do we need to put certain restrictions on who can own them, but also we need to just be able to go out and find how they're getting them illegally. We kind of need to crack down law-wise on the gun circulation. Are you talking about the gun show loophole? Not the, the gun show loophole is a big thing, which does, it can be regulated more, but I'm mainly talking about people who acquire uh, firearms illegally mm. through over the border or black market ways and then sell them to people that already got denied before to buy, purchase a gun. Yeah. You want to jump in here, Cameron? <laughs> Hello. What do you think is missing from the debate when, when we discuss these things? Like, or when you're at rallies, what, what do you think doesn't come up as often as you would like? Or Do you feel like when you go from a rally, like, oh, why didn't we talk about this? And like, why isn't anyone suggesting this or that? Or Definitely knowledge on firearms. There's a lot of people that don't know a lot about guns, and I, I don't know a lot of I know probably the basics from my dad, but there's you could test me on guns right now, and I'll be like, eh, like, and my mom, I mean, my mom owns a gun. I mean, they're, they're locked up in a safe, but they're there. But, I mean, it's just easily, like, knowledge on... There's people that think, for example, AR stands for automatic rifle. Is that right? Is that what they think it stands for? AR stands for automatic. It stands for Armalite, <laughs> which is the brand that made that made it originally. And there's, yeah. and people say like, oh, automatic rifle. And someone might have a counter protest. I mean, um, it stands for Armalite, and that's just a huge thing that just kind of makes us look. Um, it holds the discussion, hmm? kind of. It holds the discussion, kind of, brings it off topic. Yeah, and not just that. It just doesn't make you look credible. Yeah. You know, and that's a huge thing. I feel like if you're going to be a part of this, then you need to know at least basic knowledge of firearms, and it just doesn't make you look knowledgeable that much, and you may lose credit from that. But, um, like, I know, especially at Texas A&M, like, I, I feel like I, I did a speech on March for Our Lives once, kind of like a free speech to talk about it. A lot of people were very shocked at the amount of knowledge not a lot of people had and people might say like oh well, i saw the news this lady said this and it's like that's not true and i'm like okay i need to admit like excuse me that was the tea but um no just knowledge period i mean getting voices out um talking to people not just hiding behind a screen that's on both sides too you know but i have the words to say but i can't say it um Do you think you've uh, made a difference this election? Oh, for sure. For 100%. <laughs> yeah. But no, like I said, like um voter registration ever since and I I'm going to give some credit to the Parkland students because they started this and this movement has done absolutely so much and I hate that it took the circumstances that happened for this to happen and for kids to be involved. Like I 
have never been this involved in politics. I've never seen my friends this involved in politics. I've never seen such a reaction to politics. And then, and as I said, from the voter turnout that we're having, like I've never seen anything like this. Just the first day of early voting was record-breaking for the state of Texas and Harris County. I mean, there were lines. It took me 30 minutes to get to vote. Whenever, probably in the primaries, I was in and out in 10 minutes. You know, so it, my mom was voting with me, and she's like, it's never been like that. But mm. it's just definitely stuff like that. And then educating people on what we actually stand for and not just what they may read through the NRA. Yeah. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for talking to me today here in Houston. Thank Both you. of you. <laughs> and uh, good luck in the, the coming days and the last leg of the campaign. I know it's definitely oh yeah like Texanum is what a closed care what what's the what's the correct term they can have their guns on campus but they can't it's a concealed carry campus right yeah. is that right yeah it's concealed carry but I know like what it has to be in a safe isn't it which they have makes sense. How you store it. yeah which should be a universal thing I feel like I mean you shouldn't be able to just have a gun sitting by your door You'd be surprised. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> some people, and that's the thing, it's just common sense gun reform. And people, you you introduce that, and like, I may be talking to my dad, and he just laughs at me. I'm like, Dad, like, <laughs> lock that up, first of all. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I've gotten in so many arguments. And it's just, I'm like, it, you, and it's called common sense, because it basically is common sense. I am like, hey, Jacob, do you support background checks? It's common sense. And Jacob nodded for the record. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>